You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Food that is eaten routinely and in such quantities that it constitutes a dominant portion of a standard diet. God's got a new diet for us because we've been delivered. We've been taken out of the world. We are His treasured possession. We are His children. And He's saying, look, now that you're my child, I want you to be healthy spiritually. And in order for you to be healthy spiritually, you got to say no to the appetites of the old life. There exists within you a battle, a battle between the flesh, the appetites of the world, and the spirit, the things of God. And as a believer, you must fight this battle frequently. But as Pastor Danny will remind you today, you don't fight alone. The spirit in you is stronger than your old flesh. Through time and persistence, you can indeed conquer your old desires. You must fill yourself with the word and time with Jesus. There will be little room for fleshly desires. Jesus is already victorious in your battles. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 14 as he continues his message, A New Way of Life. called the crowd to him and the crowd comes he says listen to me everyone and understand this nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him rather it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean and after he had left the crowd and entered the house his disciples asked him about this parable are you so dull he asked don't you see that nothing don't you love it when he said don't aren't you so you're so dull to the disciples yes we are don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. Now, get this parenthesis. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. You imagine you grew up a Jew. You're in a Jewish culture here. This is a Jew talking, Jesus. And all you've known is the law of Moses and the dietary laws they were really strict about. And now he declares If you want bacon, fine. You want the lobster, fine. You want pork chops, fine. Not going to make you any less spiritual. Now, you can argue yourself and you can reason whether it's less healthy to do that. That's up to you. That's a personal choice. But it doesn't make you more or less spiritual. Jesus said it. It's reiterated. You can write down Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Because the cross, he, he did away with all the law and the regulations of the law. And then after that, Colossians chapter 2, same verses, verses 13 to 17, he says, so don't let anybody judge you, determine your spirituality by what you eat or drink, or in regard to a religious celebration, new moon, Sabbath day, all those things were shadows, shadows. The reality is found in Christ. 
And then if you want to get, again, one more very clear scripture in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, I'll read it. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God in prayer. So I can pray over the bacon, I can eat it with a clear conscience. Unless I think, well, that's not the healthiest thing to eat and that's my personal choice. But it has nothing to do with making me more spiritual or less spiritual. So back to Deuteronomy. We're not going to read anymore right now, but let's think about this. And, and you go, well, why do we even study this? Why are you even teaching on it tonight? If it's no longer uh, for today and the, the law is now done away with in Christ because of the cross, why are we even taking this time? Because there are lessons here. Even though we're not under the Jewish dietary laws of the law of Moses, and I say, thank God for that, but there are lessons here. We know it wasn't to make them more spiritual. So why? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. When this was first written, and it was delivered to the Jewish people through Moses, they came out of Egypt. They were slaves for over 400 years. They ate the foods of Egypt. They didn't have Jewish dietary laws. I don't know if we've ever thought about that. We need to think about it because this is, this is something now because they have been delivered, because they have been redeemed, because they have been brought from Egypt, the world, and now they are in our opening verses of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. And one of the things that he does to teach them is he gives them a new diet. A new diet. Now that I brought you out of Egypt, I don't want you to have the same diet that you had in the world. I have dietary laws for you. I got a new diet for you. And there are spiritual lessons in this physical diet that we are not bound to physically, but we learn from spiritually. What do we learn? I should have kept you in the New Testament. Galatians chapter five. I'm just going to read this section. You're welcome to look at it. Galatians chapter five, verse 16. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires appetites, cravings, could be, of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Then in verse 19, he begins to list the acts of the sinful nature. They're obvious. The first listed is sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, etc., etc. Live by the spirit, you won't gratify the desires, the appetites, the cravings of the sinful nature. I'll read you one more verse. Philippians chapter four and verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, there are a lot of scriptures on us meditating on things that are right and good and holy. And let me put it as simply as I know how. And it's not new to most of us, but somebody needs to hear this in a fresh way. As a Christian, I'm to feed my mind things that are pure and holy, and I'm to say no to the appetite of the flesh. That's the foundation. That's the core of the Christian life. Feed my mind with things that are right and pure and holy and say no to the appetites of my flesh. Now, I want to add an item that's not in our text in Deuteronomy, but I would like to add it because it applies. Part of their new diet, especially during the 40 years on the way to the promised land, it was called manna, manna. It means, what is it? First time it came down from heaven, it was food from heaven. They looked at it, they said, manna, what is it? That's how it got his name. What is it? They'd never seen it before, never experienced it before, never partaken of it before, manna. And guess what? They did not like manna, humanly speaking, as much as they liked the foods of Egypt. Did you know that? Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing, started wailing, and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. No cost. Wait a minute. You were a slave. You were a slave. You were in bondage. You weren't free. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this. What is it? This manna. They're complaining about the manna. And they're craving the food they had back in Egypt. Very interesting. In John chapter 6... In verse 32, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I don't know if you remember Revelation 19, 13, we see Jesus, he's on the, the horse, he's, he's, he's coming, and he has a robe dipped in blood, and he has a name, he has a name. You know what his name is there, Revelation 19, 13? His name is the Word of God. That's interesting. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. You jump down to chapter... 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There is a point here. Please don't miss it. The staple food for the Israelites, especially during the wilderness wanderings on their way to the promised land, which is the place of abundance, should be the place of maturity, uh, you know, full growth and whatever you want to say, you know, but the staple food was the manna. The manna. 
And Jesus is the bread. He is the word. So simple. Listen, you're going to go, it's so simple. The more word I get, the more Jesus I get. The more Jesus I get, the less of Egypt I have. You got it? Man, there's some real practical lessons. Stable food, the word of God. Stable food is food that is eaten routinely and in such quantities that it constitutes a dominant portion of a standard diet. Read that again, read that again. Food that is eaten routinely and in such quantities that it constitutes a dominant portion of a standard diet. God's got a new diet for us because we've been delivered. We've been taken out of the world. We are his treasured possession. We are his children. And he's saying, look, now that you're my child, I want you to be healthy spiritually. And in order for you to be healthy spiritually, you got to say no to the appetites of the old life. Don't go back there. Don't go. You, you got to begin to feed something different in your life than the things of the old life. And it's vital that a staple part of now your regular diet is the word of God. Because the more word you get, the more Jesus you get. Because he's the bread. He's the word. Basic stuff. But somebody needs to hear it. Peter says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Let me read you from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. The writer says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. God's word. I circled it all over again. You need milk. Not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Go on to maturity. That's what God's saying to somebody here. Spur you on toward maturity. Now, the regular diet of the word of God is intended to be progressional. What do I mean by that? Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. I've shared this before. I should have gone and bought some things to illustrate it, but that's okay. You'll you'll get it. Look, you're a new Christian. You're a new Christian. Let's say, well, let's take it just like in in, in human years. You know, you're, you're freshly born. You're a newborn babe. That means you need your diaper changed. That means somebody's got to care for you. That means if you're put just out on your own, you're probably not going to do very well. You're probably not going to do very well. And this verse, let's think about it very practically. You need somebody in your life, if you're a new Christian, you need somebody in your life that's helping you, that's helping you, that's encouraging you, that's helping to care for you. Because left on your own, generally speaking, you're not going to do very well. And nobody... Nobody should expect you and nobody should be surprised with you having a bottle in your mouth. You're a baby. We expect you to have a bottle in your mouth. We expect, we want to burp you, you know, and then, and then you, you need to be fed. You need to be fed. You need to be fed. You're not a self-feeder yet. When I started, I've shared this before, I'm just going to say it again quickly. When I was a brand new Christian and I first tried to start reading the Bible on a daily basis, I didn't get much out of it. 
If I'd have read the text we're going through tonight, I'd have gone, that's just weird. That's just weird. You know, shaving your head, cutting yourself for the devil. I mean, what is that all about? What is that talking about, you know? So I needed, I needed, I needed to come regularly, and I did. I did, and thank God I was in an, env- in an environment at least a few months after I became a Christian, I went away to Christian college and it was just wonderful because I got to sit under the word of God and the teaching of the word of God and they were just sticking a bottle in my mouth regularly and I was like, and I was craving, craving pure spiritual milk. I was hungry for somebody to just feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And think about it now, after about a year, you know, our grandchild was just here for my son Jairus' wedding, and uh, I was confident. I was confident. I told, I told my son and my daughter-in-law, I said, he's, I, they said he's taking a couple of steps, you know, and they just sent us some pictures on, you know, the thing with them up in North Carolina. And I'm, I'm like, while he's here, he's going to walk. He's going to walk while he's, while he's here. I taught him to. At least, it was like 11 or 12 steps, like three times across the living room. And he's right there now. He's right there now. And, and, you know, for breakfast now, he's, he's not getting a bottle. He's, a, he's about a year old, and now breakfast, you know, they're cutting up strawberries and bananas for him, and you got the Cheerios, and I mean, it start, life's starting to get better. And he's going to start to walk, and uh, hopefully at an early age, he'll be potty trained, you know? And then it's a maturing process, all right? But the Word of God is essential, essential. I was a picky eater when I was young. Picky eater. I didn't eat a lot of healthy stuff. I didn't eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. And uh, I ate pizza, uh, hamburgers. Uh, one of my one of my treats. My brother and I we loved it when my mother would uh, we'd go to the Florence Mall, 24 miles away. We didn't have a mall where I grew up. Uh, at least while I was growing up, they finally built a mall there. It had four stores in it. It was wonderful. And. Uh, but we'd, we'd drive to the mall, and at the mall, uh, a few years after they built the mall, they built a Hardee's, Hardee's, right out in one section of the parking lot in the mall, and we used to love just to go to Hardee's. I'm not gonna bore you with stories, but I'd order a hamburger, fries, and a Coke, every time. But I, had, but I would have my mother take the top bun off of the hamburger, wipe everything off of it, leave just a little taste of mustard and ketchup, uh, and and then I put the bun back on it, and that's the way I would eat it. I didn't want it totally plain, but I didn't want it fully dressed. It was years later when I finally got one fully dressed with lettuce and tomato, good tomato, you know. And I was like, man, I missed things for so many years because I was such a picky eater. And over time, I, over time, I began to make decisions to try. Uh, healthier foods. The first steak I ever had was at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was with my friend. We were with his dad, and his dad took us out to, uh, I think it was a Sizzler Steakhouse. You walk in a line, and you order. I had never had a steak. I'd never ordered a steak before. Uh, I I don't know if I'd ever had a salad before. Didn't have many of them. And my friend Tommy was in front of me, and his dad's in front of him. I didn't know what to order, so I just ordered whatever he ordered. Every time he'd order something, I'd, I'd, I'll have one of those too. And he ordered a salad. And I'm like, okay, I have a salad. And he ordered dressing. I said, what kind of dressing did you get? He said, Thousand Island. And we sat down to eat. And long story short, uh, I loved the steak. I absolutely hated the salad dressing. <laughs> I was gagging, gagging. Um, here, the point of this, listen. Anybody ever start a totally new diet? Totally new diet? Anybody start one recently? Anybody have a real challenge with a new diet? Man, depending on how different 
it was from how it is, and, and the Israelites, this kosher diet, you talk about different. That's why Numbers 11, I read it, that's why they're complaining. That's why they're like, wait a minute, all we get is this mana. And there's this battle now between the old life and the old appetites and the new life and the appetite that you're going to have to give time, give time, give time. Sometimes you, you, you first start, you, you love the milk, you love the milk, but now it's time to get off the milk and move on, move on. Now you need the burger, but you need it fully dressed. And then one day, if you stay at it, if you stay at it and keep at it with the word, and then you, you become not just being fed, you begin to feed yourself. And in time, if you stay at it and keep that word coming, the word, the word, the word, the word, then one day you go, and it's like filet mignon, just the way you like it. And it's wonderful. And you reach a place of maturity. In the dietary law, it's very interesting. Only animals with the split hoof. And someone has suggested, not me, someone else suggested this in a commentary that I read years ago, I think it was, that it may, may connect to a separated life. I've chosen you out of all the peoples on the earth. You're my treasured possession. You're my child. So live a separated life. Live as a child of God. Somebody also suggested the split hoof can suggest and refer to a distinctive walk. Ephesians 5.15 says uh, in the old King James, see that you walk circumspectly. Circumspectly, it means you're walking in such a way that you realize people are looking at you. People are watching you. People are watching you. Live such good lives among the pagans. That's the verse we started with. They see your good deeds. They'll glorify God on the day he visits us. Chewing the cud. Chewing the cud. Somebody suggested that could represent chewing on the word of God. Your delight is in the law of the Lord, Psalm 1, and on your... On that law, you meditate day and night. God told Joshua, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Now, it's interesting with those thoughts. The clean animals were the ones that had both the split hoof and chewed the cud. Don't miss this point. I think it's pretty cool. They had the split hoof and they chewed the cud. Some have a split hoof, but they don't chew the cud. There are those who aren't living like wild, crazy lives necessarily, but they're not really chewing the cud. And in time, those people will either fall away from the Lord or they will not mature. Hebrews 5 and 6 that I read. By this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need somebody to teach you the elementary truths. You've never grown up. Why? Because you're not chewing the cud. You're not, you're not meditating. You're not feeding. You're not being fed. Wherever you are, whatever, wherever level, the word of God is not a, 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 a main staple of your diet. Some chew the cud, but don't live a separated life. The Pharisees. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, Jesus said, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So chewing the cud, living the separated life making sure the Word of God is the main staple of my diet in the Lord. And if you stick with it, you 
grow up and you'll enjoy some really good meals. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today for his message in Deuteronomy. There's a lot to learn from this Old Testament book. Deuteronomy was written at an interesting time in the Israelites' history. They were ending their time of wandering in the wilderness, and they were on the cusp of entering the Promised Land that they'd anticipated for years. God's promises included in the book of Deuteronomy were a reminder to the people then and are a refresher for us too, that God wants us to be faithful to Him. When your loyalty lies with God, then He's freed up to bless you richly in the way that you go. Do you want or care about God's blessing? If you'd like to hear more about this from Pastor Danny's teachings in Deuteronomy, or if you'd like to explore other series from the Living Word, we invite you to visit ccfstpete.church. Simply go to the Resources tab and click on the Teachings link. While you're browsing our website, you can also learn more about the church where these teachings come from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us for church this weekend. We meet on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Details and directions are at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Join us next time for more from Deuteronomy. Pastor Danny will continue to bring this book to life and help you grow in your understanding right here on The Living Word.